Answer me this. Are you a morning person? Maybe an afternoon person? Perhaps you're a night owl. Perhaps you feel like you never really get, get moving. Well, regardless of how you would classify yourself, you deserve to have a morning routine that serves you, that sets you up for success. Now, before you, you start rolling your eyes and go, oh, I've, I've heard all about the morning routine stuff and all the things that we're all supposed to do and journal and meditate and yoga, and I just don't have time for that or I don't like it. Guess what? That is not what I'm going to tell you. Instead, I am thrilled to tell you about my annual free event coming up called Master Your Morning. And over the course of five days, 30 minutes or less each day, I'm going to teach you how to create your own unique morning routine based on two things, your unique personality type, and secondly, the realities of your home life, right? You may not have a lot of time for a morning routine, and that's what this free workshop is all about. So if you want to come join, head over to megansumrall.com forward slash master your morning. And I promise you at the end of it, you are going to have a completely different relationship with the morning. Hey, everyone. I've got some incredible guests I'm really excited to introduce you to today. Their mission is, oh, there's so many, but little background on them. So today's guest is actually a mother-daughter duo, Carrie Conley and her daughter, Laurel Wilson. After losing, they lost two members of their family to suicide just three years apart. Carrie's husband, which is Laurel's father, and then Carrie's son, Laurel's brother. And, you know, at that moment, these two women had had choices to make, right? And they chose not just to survive, but to actually thrive in the face of such tremendous adversity. Their mission is to help people of all ages identify their God-given purpose through vision. And if you guys have been following me for a while, you know, visioning has been part of my journey. I resisted it for a long time. I'm so thankful I don't anymore. And so Carrie and Laurel now offer hope to others by helping them uncover their silver lining perspective all things gratitude. When they're not at home in Oklahoma City or Scottsdale, one of my favorite places, you will find them on stages worldwide, truly worldwide, teaching everyone, both the young and young at heart, and recognizing that it's never too late to write down your vision and start living out your true purpose. So I can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation. We talked quite a bit about boundaries. If you missed last week's episode, I definitely want you to listen to that. I really talked about boundaries as it relates to time management, but today Carrie and Laurel are going to share a ton of different perspectives around it. And it's just a tremendously inspiring conversation. So let's get started. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Sumrall. I'm a former techie turned entrepreneur. I'm also a mom and a wife. And just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Being a successful female entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. Gaining control of your time and calendar is all about learning a few key techniques and systems to better organize and structure your time. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Work-Life Harmony. Today is going to be a first here because I get to interview... Oh, I guess I've done one other podcast with two guests before, but this is my first mother-daughter combo, which has me super excited because I keep saying I've got to find a way to get my my own mom 
on the podcast. But I'm also scared too, because I'm afraid of what stories she might share (laughs) with our listeners about me, because there's many to come from. So before we jump into our discussion today, I'm going to pass it over to you two ladies, let you introduce yourselves. And then I'm really excited to have our conversation. So Carrie, do you want to kick things off? Sure. So I am a speaker and an author and also have been an entrepreneur for over 25 years. I jumped into being a stay-at-home mom and an entrepreneur when I was pregnant with Laurel and my son was two. And prior to that, I'd been doing, you know, what we were all told to do in the 80s, which was, you know, get the nine to five gig and, you know, work your way up the ladder kind of thing. And I didn't do that very well. So I was told by my very first mentor to sit down and on paper, write out what I wanted to create my life to look like, what my vision was, what my dreams and desires were. And I did that. And because I took the time to do that, little bits of it started to unfold and I plugged into that. And so now I teach that. I teach vision, how to write it, why it's important, creating a mapped out plan, so to speak, for your life as much as you can, because most people are kind of drifting through life. So that's my area of expertise. I've ended up coaching a lot of people and now am co-creator of a program. Laurel and I launched officially this month called Vision is Victory Academy. And I'll let her tell you about that. Okay. I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited for everybody to hear about it. Yes. So I'm at Laurel Wilson and I am now a speaker. I was formerly in the wedding industry after college for about three and a half years. And when my mom and I decided to co-author our book together, Right around the time that it was about to launch, I found out that I was having my first baby. And so it became very natural that I was already wanting to transition out of the wedding industry. And I've always had the vision to stay home with my kiddos whenever I start having them. And so it was definitely such a God timing that when we launched our book, it was already in progression of me to start partnering on things with my mom. And so, you know, those opportunities started to unfold. And then fortunately, when I had my son in May, we had figured out a plan that we were going to do this program together and, you know, continue to speak together. And so I've stepped into that full on and and like she mentioned, leading some young adults to find their purpose and their vision and loving it. I miss weddings once in a while, but this is, you know, (laughs) more fun too. Yeah. And Laurel, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, Megan. Laurel touched on this, but I want to make sure we talk about that. We co-authored a book together in 2019 called Keep Looking Up. And we wrote this book because we have lost both my husband and my son to suicide in the past almost seven years now. So this is kind of, I wanted to just make sure I mentioned that because it's kind of the fuel behind the fire. One of the reasons Laurel and I are doing what we're doing. I think that's, unless you've been through an experience like that, I don't think anyone can pretend to say that they know what that's like. But I think that that just puts so much more power and strength and thoughtfulness behind your message and some of the things that we're going to talk about here today. Before we jump into those, I'd be curious, Carrie, when you talk about visioning and all of that, So, you know, my background was I was a math major. I was in the software space for over 20 years, very black and white, very task oriented, you know, give me the list, get into action. And when I was first introduced to the power of visioning and, you know, a very thoughtful one, not just cutting out pictures in a magazine and putting them on a board, I resisted it for a very long time because it looked like a waste of time to someone like me is like, well, if I spend an hour doing that, that's an hour I'm not getting things done on my list that felt so important. And I'm wondering, do you encounter that with a lot of people, that resistance of it feels like a waste of time or fluffy or not important? Yes, for sure. And I was one of them. 
So you do understand it now that I've taught it for well over 25 years to thousands of people. There's a lot of resistance to writing it, not just because it's too woo-woo or it's not black and white. It goes way beyond that. Most people resist it because fear, doubt, they're scared, they're afraid of failing, they're afraid of succeeding, they're afraid of what people will think. They were they're afraid of now, Laurel and I've been talking a lot about this, and especially because it's the month of January, about how resistant people are to write their goals down because of what we've been through in the past year of so much happening in our world that's outside of our control. So a lot of people are thinking, why bother? Why write it? And our response to that is we need people to have a strong attachment to their vision and their purpose now more than we ever have, because that's leadership. That is building a legacy that is inspiring other people. And for us, especially for Laurel and I being through what we've been through, it's become the anchor in the storms of our lives. The vision and understanding what we're doing and the purpose far surpasses what we've been through. And so it's what has anchored us to keep going and create what we're creating now. Yeah. I think until you finally do it, like, and then once I did, of course, I'm like, why was I resisting this for so long? You know, I go back and kick my former self for not having stepped into that space sooner than I had, because it really, it's life-changing. And I don't know how you can make someone believe that until they've, they've gone through it themselves. So the thing that fixes just about everything else, Mm -hmm. right? When you have a a of where you're going, I know you talk a lot about work-life balance, Megan. So, you know, one of the things we talk about. Harmony. Harmony, not balance. Yep. It's one of the things that helps people find that faster because when you have a really clear vision and direction of where you're going, it's much easier to say no to the things you should not be doing and putting better boundaries in your life. Hey there, if you are feeling overwhelmed, like your calendar is out of control, like you are just running against a race that will never end in terms of your to-do list, I have great news for you. I have just done a complete update on my app. Yes, I have an app in both the App Store and Google Play called The Pink Bee, and it is chock full of small but incredibly powerful trainings to help you get out of overwhelm. It includes my signature Ditch the Overwhelm training, an introduction to my time management framework. It can help get you started on weekly planning, helps you understand the four levels of planning, gives you access to my epic One Notebook Challenge, and some tips and tricks on how to get your phone organized. And all of that is available for you right inside the Pink Bee app. So open up either your app store or Google Play, do a search on the Pink Bee, all one word, download the app. And then to unlock all of that training, it's only $4.99 US. I will see you inside the app. Yep, exactly. And that's what you like gave me the perfect segue because I know one of the one of the areas of your expertise is really learning how to find the right people to be with, to partner with, whatever, whether it's you know, family, friend, spouse that are going to help you move forward. And then learning how to create boundaries with those that don't. And this is why I love that you guys are both here because I think it, you know, it starts 
it starts when we're young kids and we don't even know it's happening by the things that happen in our lives, by what we see with the way we were raised, our friends, our family, all of that. And I'm a huge advocate on boundaries. Actually, the podcast episode right before this one was a whole topic on boundaries and how it correlates directly to your time and your yeses and nos. So would love for you guys to share kind of how we work on finding those and aligning ourselves with, with those people. And then what we, how we handle the uncomfortable, particularly as women, you know, that uncomfortable part of not feeling like we need to serve and yes, all the time to everybody. Yeah. One thing that I'll touch on that you mentioned that was kind of almost a light bulb for me too, of why we've had such a hard time with boundaries of how it starts so young with kids and, you know, nothing is wrong with this when I say this, but it, goes back to, you know, birthday parties, you want to make sure everyone's included. And you know, when you're at school, it's like, we'll just play with everyone and, you know, make sure everyone's included, but you gradually get to this point where you start figuring out a lot more about yourself and not understanding that it's okay to move away from those people that are not aligning with that. But it totally starts, you know, when you're so young of just including everyone. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but we just have to figure out along the way of how to educate our kids of thinking, okay, if that person's not making you feel good, if they are doing things that are not aligning with you anymore, working on how to create those boundaries. And I started struggling with that a lot after college because you want to keep those friends close because it everyone moves away most of the time. And you're all going on these journeys and you're like, wait, I want to have all my friends close because I just got thrown into this large world that I don't know what to do with. But I gradually started seeing that there were people that just weren't quite moving the same direction or at the same pace. And it was nothing wrong with that. But I would almost feel like physically uneasy when I would start thinking about hanging out with certain people. And it was nothing wrong with them. It was just I knew that I couldn't share where I was going and they wouldn't share that excitement with me anymore. And so we've kind of challenged people that when they start writing down their vision or if they've done something really awesome, immediately think of the first person that you would call or maybe the first five. And those people beyond that, it's like, okay, maybe those are those people that need to start being moving back a little bit, which my mom will elaborate this on moving back. She has a very good visual analogy. What's funny when you just mentioned, you know, starting about that at school with friends, you're bringing up something I hadn't thought about in a while. When my daughter was in preschool, I loved the fact that the way they just referred to the classroom and everything was, hey, friends. And I love that because it created a good camaraderie and we're all going to be friends and treat each other with respect. And now watching her journey through elementary school, we've had to have some of those uncomfortable conversations because she'll say, well, but I just want so-and-so to be my friend. And having to say, actually, everybody isn't going to be your friend and that's okay it doesn't mean that we don't treat them with respect and we're not kind and all those values that they were working to instill. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that whole friends, friends, friends almost was to a detriment of now she's going, something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. If I'm not invited to the, this or whatever, I'm like, no, that that's normal. We're not going to be best friends with absolutely everybody yeah. we need in life. And, you know, I struggle with How do we do that at a young age? But I hadn't even thought about that till you brought that up of, you know, everyone in the birthday party, everyone gets to do everything. At some point we don't, and that's a hard message to learn. And it's definitely a very tricky balance. And I know I'll probably start experiencing that with my son. He's only nine months. And, you know, I know girls are a little bit different, obviously, me being one growing up and stuff. It will be a different journey if I do have a daughter, but it is a very tedious balance because of course you want, you know, to teach them to be kind and to be inclusive and to, you know, not make anyone feel bad, but 
when you do get to that age, roughly probably around 10, like you said, your daughter is starting to figure out like, oh, some of these girls, maybe I don't want to be around anymore, or they're making some decisions that I don't feel comfortable with. And it, it can be tricky to start kind of figuring that out because it is very much like, okay, everyone's going to be all together and invited. And yeah, it can be a detriment. Yeah. And I see that nobody ever has poor intentions with it, of course. No. And it just may be that you don't like doing the same stuff. Right. Just, you know, I don't like, I don't want to play that game. <laughs> that doesn't mean we yeah. don't like each other. That's just not how I, that's not fun for me. So mm-hmm. interesting. So Carrie, you were going to talk about the moving. How do you move back in a way that feels yeah. okay? world referring to an exercise that I've taught almost every time I speak it or do a workshop. It's called the front row. And what I get people to do is visually imagine themselves standing on a stage and looking out into the audience, their seats, right? Like a movie theater or, or a theater. So, and then you imagine there's five to 10 seats in every row. And then I get them to imagine all the people that they're spending the most amount of their time with right now. And without judging these people as a person, start ranking them on a scale of one to 10, how they make you feel when you're with them. So obviously the nines and tens are the people who you can't wait to be around because they always lift you up. They see your greatness. They support you. They remind you how awesome you are. Maybe they are people who are a little bit further in the journey of life or in your profession of where you want to be, right? These are the nines and tens. And then you can imagine the opposite of the scale, the ones, two, three, four, fives. These are people that no matter how great you feel can suck the life right out of you in about two minutes kind of thing. So so what we have to be super careful of is the people in the front row. And what I mean by the front row are the people who are very heavily involved in your life and you're allowing them to be involved in your life because you trust them and they are taking you to the next step. Only the nines and tens should be getting the most amount of your time and the most amount of being allowed to give you advice. And everybody else needs to kind of be moved around the theater. And the balcony is where we put all the people that, you know, just suck the life right out of me. And some people, you literally have to just oust out of the building and lock the door. And that's not easy to do, but there is only so much time, right? And we have to be super precious with the time that we have, because one of the greatest truths in life is that we are the combination of the most of the five people we spend the most amount of time with. And what Laurel's yeah, the first time I heard that, that hit me over the head. I was kind of like, Oh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> let me think about that. Like, I don't know. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, so we have to move some people around and most of the time, it's not a big deal. Most, you know, people just sort of, we start drifting like Laurel's going through right now. And sometimes we do have to have some hard conversations and just literally physically remove ourselves. But it is probably the biggest struggle with boundaries that people have. Now, what tips would you have? Because I, people ask me this a lot. I'm like, you know, I don't know if I have advice. This is not my area of expertise. But mm-hmm. what if it is that family member, that loved one, that parent, that sibling, that person who's been a part of your life for 30, 40, 50 years, what does that look like when it's in your inner circle for the rest of your life? Yeah. So, you know, we're going to set aside any super like dangerous situations or super toxic because that is just at a level where it just needs to be cut off completely. But let's say you've got family members that just don't, you're just not going in the same direction. You don't have the same beliefs. You operate your lives in very different ways. And so, you know, respectfully, of course, we, we spend time with them, like holidays and birthdays and things like that. But the best piece of advice, one of the best pieces of advice I've been given is one of my mentors said, 
that there are people that you can allow speak to you and there are people you allow to speak into you. There is a difference. Mm. So respectfully, you'll get around family members and it's, you give them love, you give them respect, you engage in conversation, even if you're not talking on the same plane, but you don't take what they're saying and let it get into you emotionally and allow it to disrupt how you're feeling or what your beliefs are, how you operate your life. So it's a very powerful thing when you can learn how to do this. I love that. My mom used to always use an analogy for us growing up. And I still, I find myself saying it now. My daughter will roll her. She's like, I know Grammy used to say it. But when something kind of to illustrate that in you versus to you, when right. something bad would happen, she'd say, Megan, if you were standing on the side of a road and a truck drove by, it was raining and they hit a big mud puddle and it splashed mud all over you. Would you say this is my mud? Like, oh my gosh, this is my mud. I now have to wear it for the rest of my life. It's part of my life. Or would you just go take a shower and rinse it off? Right. And I love that visual because there are times I catch myself and I'm like, hang on, do I just need to go take a shower? Like, or (laughs) do I just need to rinse? Like, why am I holding on to these things? Uh, I've let them permeate into my core when I shouldn't have, but it's hard. It's so hard. It is, but this is self-love, self-respect. You know, it really is taking, putting that boundary around taking care of you so that you can take care of your loved ones. You're, you know, like Laurel, you know, making choices right now, her and her husband around because they are moving forward in adulthood faster than some of her other friends, right? It's a conscious choice they're making right now about who are we wanting to spend our time with because who we spend our time with is how it affects her son price and our time together. And you know, mm-hmm. all things. Yeah. I'm absolutely. So, sorry, definitely didn't mean to cut you off. I'm also very careful, you know, going back to how much I share with those kind of people. And it can be difficult because when you're so excited about something and you know that it's a good thing and, you know, you're on this track and all that kind of stuff, those people that are not going to meet you there, or maybe are not the happiest where they are at, are mm-hmm. not going to share that excitement with you. And it, you know, you don't ever want that to put your flame out because the people that you think are going to be excited probably aren't. And that is kind of something that I've had a harder time coming to terms with, but have understood. And, you know, I do, if people ask, of course I'll share, but it's not one of those first five or six or however many people I call when something new is happening for me, because I just know it's not going to be the reaction I'm hoping for, but it doesn't mean that I don't love them any less. I've just had to find those people that I know are going to be excited and I go to them and then I still love the people that aren't necessarily excited. Right. Yeah. I wish we were having this conversation many years ago. That was a, that was something I learned a lot later <laughs> that I yes. wish it would have just saved me so much heartache if I had yes. just learned that and understood it yes. and protected just, pr- just to protect the excitement, the atmosphere to everything around some things rather than having felt like your bubbles just then popped and, yep. you know, deflated and all of that. That's excellent tip. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, because I think this is so important, particularly now more than ever, when we are in a, you know, we're still in the trenches of the pandemic. There's a lot of things getting canceled and I can't and all of that. And I love one of the phrases you all use is focusing on the what, instead of the what is, shifting our focus to the what if. So let's, I'm going to just kind of open the floor and let you guys chat about that some, because I loved that. Yeah. So this is kind of became my take on a gratitude list. I was asked to speak 
actually for the first time solo this year, she and I, my mom and I have spoke together mostly because it's been about our book. And I was asked to speak on this young adult summit. And I tried to think for a long time how I could give somebody a tangible way to shift their perspective. And, you know, speaking to these young adults, and I know everyone's been affected by this year, don't get me wrong, but it was a lot of people that were having their college experience changed, a lot of people maybe going through trying to plan a wedding, you know, the whole thing. And so I crafted this activity, I guess you would call it, where I tell people to write what if on one side and what is on the other. And so the piece of it is the what if is actually the stuff that we thought was going to happen and the things that we thought were in our control. And the what is, is the good things that came out of it that we weren't expecting. And I think this can be really hard for people to do because unless you are able to shift that perspective, a lot of times people are like, what good came out of that? There's no good that came out of it. And that's the whole point of doing this. So to give you an example is, you know, I had my son in May. So of course, when mid-March, all this stuff started shifting and I'm thinking, okay, am I going to be alone? Is my husband even going to be able to come? Like, are they going to take my son away? It was so much confusion. Of course that was happening. And the, what is piece of is, is that it was fortunately, I was able to have my husband with me, but it was so quiet and it was so peaceful. And I ended up being there much longer than I expected, (laughs) but it was such a different experience. And I kept telling myself to look at it from that perspective. Because if I keep looking at that, well, what if COVID wouldn't have happened? My mom could have been there. Or what if, you know, this pandemic wasn't going on? I could have had all these visitors and, you know, we can sit there and focus on that stuff. But those are the things that we are grieving that people maybe don't put that word on it and are holding us back from understanding the changes that were inevitable. If you do believe that, you know, God has already had a plan mapped out, that it's our choice to figure out what those good pieces are in it. And of course, for us, this goes back seven years of when I was 20 years old and lost my dad, I had no idea what was about to come. And I could sit back and think, well, what if my dad hadn't died? We'd all still be in Colorado together. Or what if my brother hadn't died? We'd all be in Arizona together, all these things. But I know for a fact, if those things would not have happened, I would not have my son because I probably would not have married my husband. I would not have the people I have here in Oklahoma. And I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about vision and finding purpose and being able to lead other young adults. So it's not always easy to do. And I have to refer back to that often because it can be hard to sit in those crappy times, but there's always going to be silver lining if you choose to do that. So it's kind of an extension of a gratitude list. Yeah. And I like that, you know, I think for, for people, it's always easier when we can look back Mm -hmm. and we can say, Oh, now I know why that happened because now we've seen the good but right. it's different in the moment where you're not clear, where you yeah. don't have that clarity of hindsight mm-hmm. to find the good in the moment when it feels really hard to find it right. sometimes. Yes. And wow. it's, it's easy to do this activity first if you are holding on to certain things, but it also can help in the future of thinking in that moment, okay, I've learned now what it looks like to release that and to find the good. How am I going to do that now in this situation? Because yeah, being, in the midst of that, it's really hard to figure out what the good is. But if you can allow yourself to believe that there is going to be good that comes from it, you can start moving forward with that and handling all the stuff that's going to come because that's just life. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. I hope it's okay. But because you guys are mother daughter, and obviously it's a relationship near and dear to my heart. My mom is, I think one of is probably the most amazing woman I know. And now I am a mom to a young rising young lady myself. 
I really, one of my biggest worries is to raise a young daughter that is not able to see the good in all, you know, in the hard and recognize all the good that is going around us because there is so much focus on the wrong. And for both of you, both from, you know, you being the daughter, Laurel and Carrie, you being the mom, I'll start with you, Laurel. What are some things looking back on, you know, how you were raised as you were going through those teen years and all of that? Is there anything that you can think of that your mom put in place that helped with that? Because I mean, when I think of the teen years, I mean, I still, it's like, I want to throw up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that was like doom and gloom. That was legit hard as the teen. And now I'm, I'm stressing out as I'm thinking about my daughter entering into this. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to parent this for her? So I'm going to see if you guys have some, some tips on that for our fellow mom listeners out there. Yeah, I will say teenage years are interesting for a girl. Fortunately, I don't think, I, I didn't ever feel like my teenage years were horrible, but I do remember feeling like what was in front of me was so big and that that was yes. all I could see. And it was like, you know, and I cheered through high school. And so it was any, you know, stuff coming up with cheerleading or making the team or prom or, you know, just these things were massive. And I remember first that we were really good about talking through things. That was always helpful because a lot of times I couldn't understand why it was so frustrating to me. I mean, the puberty and hormones and all that, of course, doesn't help making it even worse. But one thing that's always stuck with me that we still do to this day especially for me who likes to feel in control is my mom would ask me, okay, what is one thing right now that you can do that's going to make you feel better and that you do have control over? And for me, it was cleaning, which sounds really silly, but, and I've I learned got it the same way. You know, because you know that if you do certain tasks, it's going to be clean and pretty much end the same way. And, you know, I've learned to gradually release that control, but it's always going to be a piece of my personality. And so when I was in that moment of feeling like something was so massive, I had to get back down to something simpler that I was like, okay, if I can just do this and feel like I just did a little bit of controlling for a moment. It would always help to kind of bring back down of, okay, maybe that wasn't such a big deal, but those years can be tricky and there's going to be things that seem so big. And of course we look back now that it's like, okay, it was prom and it worked out fine, but it always and, I, and I swore, like when I was a kid, I remember I was like, if I have kids. I swear. I'm never going to tell them, trust me. This isn't that big of a deal when you get to be a grown up Cause I hate it was said to me. And now I find myself wanting to say that to her and be like mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things, but I know yeah. that's not helpful. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. It yeah. seems like a mountain when they're facing it. And in that moment, it was the most important thing to me. Yeah. Who am I going to prom with? And am I going to make the cheer team? And it's, it's big stuff at the time. And it's helpful yeah. when somebody actually recognized that of like, okay, I see that this is big for you and we're going to figure out how to make it not so big, but still, you know, focus on it without just disregarding somebody's feelings about it. Yeah. No, so good. All right. Wow. Carrie, it's not. I thought was going to come out of your mouth. Laurel. Oh no. What did you think? <laughs> It's so interesting, you know, the, I say to Laura all the time, it's interesting to me to, to hear her say things about what she remembers that I have no recollection of at all. And then there are things that I think were like detrimental to her mental health that she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm so glad she's good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I used to say things, say on days when I was getting ready to do something that I felt guilty about, which now I talk a lot about, get rid of the guilt, especially for women. 
I'd say, okay, Laurel, is this one of these things that later in life I'm going to have to pay for therapy over? Because you got to tell me right now, if this is going to be one of those things you're going to bring back up later, (laughs) tell me now. I've thought that many a time. I'm like, oh, that's going to come up in therapy in about 15 years. I can see it coming. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing, Megan, now in this world more than ever is you've got to communicate, 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 communicate. We can't live in this world anymore where the parent just trusts that the school's got your back with your kid or that even if you're in a church that they've got your back or, you know, other parents. I mean, we now live in a world where you've got to be super hyper aware of everything that's going on in their life. And I don't mean to hover be a helicopter parent. But what I do know, like and Laurel mentioned this, and I will say that we were a very communicative family. My husband and I were very open with our kids about a lot of things. And we, and we have a really strong relationship because of that. But, you know, I think especially through the years that Laurel was going through as a teenager, I think the one thing was always reminding her, which I still do now that you have a choice to remove yourself from the situation. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this if it's going against everything that you don't want happening in your life right now. You can remove yourself. And you come to me and you tell me what you're going to choose to do, whether you're going to choose to move forward with this group or you're going to choose to remove yourself from it. And we'll figure out how we're going to make that happen together. But, you know, there were a lot of times that Laurel was really, really challenged with the choices that she made being in leadership roles. And they were tough really tough, especially with girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember several conversations where it was just, okay, this is our moment. What are we going to do? You either have to move forward or change it. It's your choice. And I think it's, you know, it's easier for people on the outside watching someone else to see with such clarity, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. When you're the one in it, we feel, sometimes we feel like, like, no, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. And even down, cause you guys know, I'm going to find some way to talk about your time in this, but even when it just comes down to the basics of how you're choosing to spend your time, yeah. I always like to tell you, it, it is a choice. You did not have to say yes to that. Right. You don't chance 99.9% of the time. You don't have to be doing what you're doing in that moment. Now, if you're in the middle of childbirth, you're okay. You're stuck. You got to finish that before you can move on. But I mean, it's really that absurd of a rare occasion that you really, that, that truly you could say, I don't have a choice right now in what I'm doing. This is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can remember, you know, for those of us that are parents listening, how obvious it is for us to see it with our children Mm -hmm. and recognize the same is reflected back to our, just because you're a parent, you're you know, quote, an adult doesn't mean you still don't have the choices, right. you know, of how you want to spend your time and what you want to prioritize with it. Yep. Very and it's, it's hard too in that age range, we, we're going back to the teenage years, but I do remember too, because I was in some leadership roles and I do remember my senior year being a cheer captain was held to a certain standard by our coach. She was very intense and she was amazing, amazing person, but it was held to a different standard. And I do remember there were certain times that I had to be very careful about how I spent my time, because if I was in certain situations, I could have easily been taken out of that leadership position. And there were times that it kind of felt a little bit lonely, but I knew in that moment that was my choice that I was choosing to take that position. And I was my choice to not spend my time with certain people or go to certain things that I knew I probably would be put in a situation that it could have 
not ended well. And that was definitely hard as a teenager because it goes back to what we were mentioning too, of you want to feel included, especially in high school, you want to feel like you're a part of something and in a group. And there were times I had to just step away from that because I was making that choice that I wanted to be in that leadership role and be very conscious about who and where I was spending my time. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it all comes down to boundaries, you know, so, so many, it's amazing how many paths you can take. And at the end of it, say, bottom line, this is around the boundaries I'm creating for myself, my life, my choices. This has been so amazing. If you guys could each give kind of one, your biggest, if you could pick one thing for people to learn, embrace, open their hearts to, and whether it's a new practice, a new thought, a new whatever, what would you choose for them? And again, I'm putting you on the spot. Well, I preach this a lot that I learned a habit probably 15 years ago now, Megan, where the first hour of my day is sacred. I get up and stay in a very quiet space. Sometimes it needs longer than an hour, depending on what I'm feeling or what I'm going through or what I'm facing for the day. But it has changed everything in my life. That first hour I spend reading devotions, journaling. I listen to your podcast about journaling, by the way. (laughs) I'm getting better. Yeah. Reading, you know, all the things. Now I've adopted a little bit of meditation into that and breathing and just listening for God's voice to tell me what my next step is. Because obviously we're taking some new steps into some new areas in both of our lives and have been through a lot in the past seven years. So that first hour, if I don't get that, which is very rare because it's built in, it changes the way my day goes. So I think the biggest tip that I, have, I can teach people is another mentor of mine said this, and it's just so profound. He secured the first thought of the day is the only thought of the day. Every thought after mm-hmm. that thought is a reaction to the first thought. So how you start your day, what you think, whatever action you take, everything else is a reaction to that. So you've got to capture that. You've got to do what I call suit up for the day. You've got to get on the right head space, the right attitude, the right heart, the right intentions and the rest of the day, if you follow it and stick to it, it goes pretty well. I'm going to be very aware of the first thought I have tomorrow morning. Now I'm sure everybody listening, they're like, Ooh, I got to think about what I'm thinking when I first wake up. Fabulous. I have a very sacred morning routine for myself as well. A little bit different than yours, but it's the same. If I don't get that, my whole day just never feels right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yes. All right. Laurel, what about you? Yeah. So my biggest tip and takeaway is to really take to heart what I talked about perspective, because this took me a really, really long time to get to this point of having a good perspective. When I was 20 and lost my dad, that was the journey of figuring out how to change my perspective because it totally shifted everything for me from 20 years of consistency to seven years of a massive change, a lot of loss, a whole, you know, and I got to a point where I realized very quickly with my controlling personality, that there was only one thing that we absolutely have control over and it's how we see things. And I I do believe a lot of people were shaken and woken up to that this last year of when we felt like we were a little bit in control, everyone lost complete control of it. And we have to get back down to that piece of it is all how you're going to choose to see it and how you're going to move forward. And I do believe that God and the universe responds to that, that if you move forward, knowing that there, you're going to have a positive attitude, whatever comes towards you, you're going to have much more abundance from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, such words of wisdom. I want to hear you say that just gives 
me such peace knowing that you are in this next generation of amazing women stepping forward. And I hope that I can instill these, the same beautiful, amazing view on life, energy, everything that, that you are bringing. So Carrie, your kudos to you. I know you are your own person, Laurel, but I know so much of probably a lot of this affirmations that you get came from your, you know, being raised by your mom as well. So and dad, it, it, yeah, she, she has a lot of her dad. Yeah. Love that. Well, it's interesting. It hasn't been released yet as we're recording this, but I just did a podcast on, and to your point on the, you know, we, all we can really control is our reaction. And it was talking about the two things you can control. One is how you plan for what you think is going to happen. And then how you react to what actually happens. Like mm-hmm. that's it. that's it at the end of the day. And in some ways that's like horrifying to hear because it's like, that's it. That's all. But then in other ways, it's so freeing. It's like, Oh, well then we just let the rest go then and focus my energies on how I choose to respond. And my word of the year from all of this has been trust. Cause as I get out, is that yours? (laughs) That's my word. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's trust because this last year, you know, and I keep saying this with everyone, but I think having a baby in the middle of it too, it just changed everything for me and in a good way because I chose to see it that way. I knew that God was going to be with me through having a son in the middle of all of this and just having a baby in general is nuts. (laughs) But I stepped in this year that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to let go and release everything and then trust that all the good stuff is going to start coming my way. I love that. My biz bestie just actually this, this trust bracelet just came mm-hmm. yesterday because she knew that was my word for the year. And I have a little note card that she put in it taped here on my monitor. But the last sentence she put was just trust in 2021 and receive. Mm-hmm. And so I've got that taped up here for the year. So I now I'll always be thinking of you. Laurel. from. <laughs> I yeah, know. I will. I will. Awesome. I can't thank you two ladies enough for being here. This is, I could truly just keep talking to you for hours. This has been absolutely wonderful. I'm going to put all the information in the show notes, but where is the best place for all of our listeners to be able to connect with both of you, find your book, all of that? So we are all over social media, both Laurel and I. And also, I have a website, Megan, that they can go to. The book is there as well. And they can actually, I'll give a gift to your listeners. If they text the word masterclass to 26786, they can find the beginning of a recorded vision class that I have on my website. Now, does that have to be all caps or just masterclass? Does not have to be all caps. Okay. 26786. I got that right. Okay. I will put that in the show notes too, everybody. Yep. And then we also have the same text number if you if you put the word, what's the word for Viva Laurel, our young adult program? Viva. V-I-V-A. V-I-V-A. Yeah, for any of you listening who, you know, you've got daughters, you're a young adult yourself, the whole mission behind that program is just, that's how I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to talk to these two women. This is everything that jazzes me as a mom is thinking about empowering the next generation of women. So definitely I encourage all of you to go check that out. And even if you don't, you know, have a young daughter, something plug in and see how you can help serve, get involved, all of that. So important. Right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today. It has truly been my pleasure. Thank Thank you for having us.
Getting on top of all things time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Megan Sumrall, or just open any browser and go to megansumrall.com. If spelling my name is a complete pain, just go to theworklifeharmony.com and grab my free time management cheat sheet. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share it.